Okay, Boomer, please accept my offer. I know, how do you do it? How do you get your dream house at the right price? You did everything. You saved, you scrimped, you sacrificed. Heck, you even budgeted. You planned, you educated yourself. You hired the best realtor and lender to represent you. And after all that, you're almost there. And now what? How do you write that winning offer? Let's talk about it. What's happening, gang? Welcome to the How to Buy a Home podcast. I am still David Sedoni, the How to Buy a Home guy. I'm a realtor with EXP Realty here in Southern California. Early in 2019, after 13 years in the business, I quit that usual path of real estate agents. I saw many realtors out there focusing completely on the sellers, ignoring what many of them saw as a pain in the booty. Yeah, that's you, the first-time buyers. You guys Sometimes they thought that you were out of touch, you were clueless, you were annoying time sucks. Well, big shocker, but apparently a lot of you out there were feeling neglected. And uh, as of right now, we are blowing up with first-time buyers all over the country, listeners reporting, listening to the podcast, and purchasing their first home. And we've got hundreds of you out there in the planning process, and we are stoked for you. Working with our fantastic unicorn realtors all over the country. Sounds good to you? First time here? Cool. Go ahead and hit subscribe. We're going to give you a whole bunch of free nuggets. And well, what do the kids say now? Smash that subscribe button and you're going to get all these jam-packed episodes. They'll come to you automatically on your phone or wherever you listen to this stuff. And maybe someday you'll be part of those happy listeners out there that are buying their first house and are super excited that they're not throwing their rent out the window every month. There's a trailer episode uh, somewhere on the side of your Spotify at the top of the bottom of your uh, everywhere else you listen to podcasts. It gives you the how-to on the How to Buy a Home podcast. Feel free to jump around. If you're here jumping today, it's because you're maybe you're getting close and you're wondering you have all these questions about the almighty offer. Well, here it is. Now, right now, as I'm recording this, it's, uh, of course, the middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning in my house in Southern California, my family's sleeping, and I'm yelling into a microphone by myself. But the date is the beginning of 2021. Now, you're obviously listening to this in the future. So as I record this right now, the whole country is really excited to find anything good happening any kind of good news. So I'll start this off as my usual Captain Positive, Mr. You Can Do This. I want to bring you guys a message of hope when you're getting ready to write that offer on your house. Call me Smoopsy McFluffy Pants. Get ready for some positive reinforcement later, because first, it's time for me to give you some straight truth. Here we go. The offer is probably the area that I hear the most well-intentioned but widely inaccurate and incorrect advice and guidance. In the entire process, this is where I hear the worst advice from people talking to the first-time buyers. Everyone thinks their experience is you know, similar to how it's going to go for everybody else. And if you aren't getting all you know, the credits and the deals and the low prices and all the extras that they got when they bought a house. Well, then that obviously means that your realtor's not very good or you're getting cheated or you're just stupid and don't understand the process. This could not be more wrong. Wrong, I say. 
Look, I don't give a freaking skinny rat's butt what people tell you. There is no playbook. There's no normal when you're buying a house. Why? Because every market is different and every seller is different. Okay, so let's start with the seller. This is a one-off sale. I've mentioned that in the podcast before, okay? It's one time, one seller, and that seller might be cuckoo crazy. I'm talking Kanye nuts. This transaction, it's also barely regulated, and the seller can choose whoever they want for whatever reason. As long as they don't discriminate, they can decide to stop selling the house the day that you're ready to write an offer. They do whatever they want. Look, this is not a restaurant where you can complain to the manager if you don't like the way you're being treated, Karen. This isn't a big airline where if you're mad at your service, you can send a tweet and they'll feel bad about it and give you a free voucher. So your seller absolutely does not care what your Uber businessman dad says about how real grownups typically negotiate. Remember, the seller, they answer to no one. Okay, why so harsh to start off? You're like, David, I put you in my ears so I can get some good news. Where's Mr. You can do this? Because a true advocate for you, I mean, someone who's really looking out for you and and all your emotions and everything that you've got tied up in the transaction. Look, a true advocate, we'd rather disappoint you now here and then build you up along the way with trust and guidance. We'd rather do that than string you along with pie in the sky and a bunch of BS for a few months and then crush you when you get to the magic moment. As it goes, you might have some disappointments along the way as you're trying to buy a home. You might have disappointments when you put in your offer. If you're like my clients over the past two or three years in 18, 19, or 20, you might be looking at putting in two, three, four offers before yours gets accepted. It might be a battle to get what you want. So what are you going to do? Well, here's the positive side of things. You'll be able to handle it a lot better if you get mentally, emotionally, and financially prepared for it. Prepare for it, and you can be confident. That's my goal, to make you confident. I want to make you not run for the hills. Quite often, I have seen the prepared first-time buyer get rewarded for being prepared. And, you know, I've seen it where you actually find a normal seller and get a great deal, and everybody's happy. True, it happens a lot. So to help you with your confidence building, let me tell you something else that's bitterly disappointing. Your closest allies, all the people giving you advice, they don't know Jack. Their stories and advice from when they bought their homes, they're as valuable as the uh, little blue bag of poop that I carry around when I'm walking my dog. I mean, I love them all. Don't get me wrong. But timing is the key on how you present your offer. And I'm pretty sure most of the people giving you the advice, they didn't buy a house yesterday. It's all about timing. Is it an up market or a down market? Is it a bidding war market? Or is it the house that you looked at? Are you the only person to have looked at it in the last two months? To know how the market is reacting at any given time, you got to listen to your pro team that you've worked with for months or maybe years before this. The people you that you're working with, that pro team, they're in that market every day because Unlike all your allies, your friends, your uncle, your mom, your dad, your grandparents, these real estate pros that you've got working on you, oh, working on you, that sounded really bad. No, they're not your masseuse. The real estate pros that you have that are working with you, they were active in this market yesterday and this morning. 
And that's the only market that matters when you're writing an offer. It's not the market that the people who are giving you advice when they did it. Their market has nothing to do with you today and your offer. Okay, so those are the big keys. First is that it's a one-off sale from an unregulated seller working with no rules and assume that that seller is you know, possibly a big bag full of crazy. Hey, you never know. Sometimes it might work to your advantage. It has for some of my buyers. And secondly, timing is everything. And nobody knows the timing of your deal unless they're putting in an offer on the exact same model, the exact same track at the exact same day. You know, it's funny. The boomers hate to hear that. But guess what, gang? Adapt or die. Woo! Adapt or die. How's that for some really fun, fun talk? Okay, I thought really long and hard about how to structure this episode. And, and soon I realized that in order to answer everything about the offer, if I did that, this this episode would be four hours long. So... I pictured you out there, you know, on your in your car, on a walk or on a run or doing the dishes or sitting on the couch watching your partner playing video games while you try to make plans for the biggest decision of your life and then maybe actually starting to reevaluate the life choices that you're making right at this moment. Oh God, that'd be awesome. Please, please, please tell me that's one of you right now. Please tell me one of you is sitting there looking at the other person going, what the hell am I doing? DM me if that's you. I really got to know. Okay. Maybe you're out there and you're thinking these things about writing the offer. How does it work? How do I write it? What price should I write the offer? Can I lowball? What the hell is an appraisal? How long can I wait to write an offer after I actually see the home? Should I sleep on it? Can I negotiate on a new construction home being built right now? How much should I put down? Is a first-time buyer looked at as lesser than some old dude buying the house? What do I tell the seller? What do I tell my realtor? Should I play hardball? Should I ask about why the seller's moving? Should I write a letter? What kind of loan is best? How do I make my offer stand out? How do I get them to say yes? And is that really Yoda's baby in the Mandalorian? Is he like already 50 years old because he looks like a toddler? But you know, Yoda was 900 and only looked about 97. So is it, you know, like the dog years formula, but in reverse? Okay. Let's answer those questions. Starting right off with, how does it work and how do I write it? Well, the good news is if you hire a Unicorn Pro, you don't write it. In fact, if you do write it, I think that's against the law in most states, so please don't. If you have a solid pro, they're going to guide you. They'll always be presenting you in the best light to the seller. And the good news is most contracts in most states, the contract is actually written to protect you, the buyer. So... You can feel good about that. And the fact that you're being written in the best light, that they're trying to present you in the best way possible, that is huge. Because understand, that piece of paper and the way it's presented to them, that's how you get judged. And the seller, yeah, that seller is judging you. And the other realtor, he might be presenting more than one offer to the seller. And that other realtor is judging you. And that realtors reporting back their opinion of what maybe these multiple offers look like. And, you know, if not, they a lot of times they're completely influencing the seller with their opinion about what they see. So you need to have everything looking great so that your offer gets to the top of that pile. And so think about that, you know, maybe the person that is going to be in the best position to present your offer. Maybe it's not your sister who's only sold two houses and one was to your aunt. And, you know, they might not have all the insider rapport, all that colleague to colleague stuff. Maybe not have their professional swerve on 
a solid agent with a solid prepared buyer. That's much easier for the listing agent to present to their seller in a favorable light. Someone that they think, hey, these guys are cool. When I'm working with a seller, if I don't know the buyer agent and or the, the lender who's presenting the offer, I look them up. I do a little work. I do some research. I check on their history before I ever tell the seller this is a good deal. You learn right away that if it looks too good on paper and you don't know anything about those people, it's probably not as good as it looks. So you're not the only one being judged. Your team is. There's lots of great information on this in uh, episode 33. That's my interview with Alvin and Ashley, the bomb diggity couple that actually kind of almost lost their dream house because they begged me to put in an offer before they were totally prepared. So the seller ended up taking another deal because ours was just coming in at the last minute. But turns out that buyer on the deal they accepted, they backed out. So they ended up giving Alvin and Ashley another look because even when we were rushing our first offer in, I presented it in a polished professional manner and the other realtor then got to turn around and present it to the seller without putting the home back on the market because they were like, hey, you know what? I don't want to work to put this whole thing back on the market. You guys are a little sketched and scared because you just got burned because that first seller bailed or that first buyer bailed. And this guy's good. This offer is good. And these people really want to do it. And now they've got all their ducks in a row. So the presentation matters. Sometimes your offer is going to get accepted because the other agent knows or they do what I do and they look you up and they find out, dude, that buyer agent is a rock star and he's going to get things done. Now, they're doing that because that's the best thing for the seller. When you represent the seller, you want to make sure this deal is going to get closed. And sometimes I ain't going to lie. Sometimes it's because the listing agent or the, the realtor that's representing the home is a lazy piece of crap. And they pick my offer because they know by my offer presentation that I'm going to do most of the work for them and they can just cruise to a commission check while I run the whole transaction. Sucks for the seller that they're getting such crappy service. And it means that, you know, I have to work twice as hard as the buyer agent because I'm doing my job and their job. But I don't care because I get my end result. You, the first time buyer, get the bomb deal. You become a super stoked first time buyer who gets your dream home. Done. Awesome. Love it. Let's do it no matter why they picked us. Let's go ahead and keep moving forward. It's fantastic. So your realtor's going to handle all the technical side of picking and choosing all the right things to do in the offer. So you don't have to stress about, you know, what things you should do or shouldn't do or should offer or shouldn't offer. Your realtor's going to explain to you how those things are working right now in the current market. The right things to negotiate tough on, the right things to kind of let slide, the right things to give them is like a little extra, like, hey, we didn't ask for the home warranty here because we really want it. We know you got lots of people coming in on it. There's a bunch of little things like that. It gives just the extra polish to show, hey, we know how this works and we're not going to nickel and dime, but we're going to give you this little extra incentive here. Follow their lead. They're going to present a super slick and professional presentation that screams, not only is this a great offer, but we are not going to be a problem for your sellers. We understand the current market and we have the team to get this deal closed. Believe it or not, your offer is much, much more than a price. The biggest thing that scares a seller is they're going to take the home off the market, stop all their marketing, and then two, three weeks in, the deal's going to blow up. 
There are so many nuances in writing these offers. They're never just about price. They're looking at so many things. So don't get hung up on that. And look, that can be really hard. Most people end up, especially the first time buyers, you're going to focus directly on that price. Well, your realtor is going to be looking at all the aspects of the deal and let them figure things out for you. Let them, you know, kind of try to find out the personal motivations of everybody on each side, both the buyer and the seller. Evaluating the emotional pieces, reading the other realtor, figuring out the best time frames, using real detailed market data instead of just trying to fly by the seat of your pants, backing up exactly why you're presenting this price with a true factual data-based price analysis. I could go on and on with all the things that the realtor does to design the perfect offer that they can present. What you need to do is help. That's your job. You can help your realtor by getting everything to the lender weeks before you even think about writing an offer. And again, you can go back and listen to episode 33 for more on that, where Alvin and Ashley jumped the gun just a little bit. And then once you're in, don't focus on the price. Realize that's just the first part of what's going to be happening. And there's going to be a lot more going on after that. You best be all in. Get yourself emotionally ready for what's happening next. All right. You and your team, they're going to go out on a limb for you. Get your mind right. But don't stress out. You're going to be fine, right? You listen to the podcast. Cool. And remember, the main answer to this first question, how does it work and how do I write it? The main answer from everything that I said is, it depends. What's your timing and where are you in the market cycle? All right. Next question, what should you offer? Hey, it's a great question. I'm glad that you asked. Boy, you're the smartest person in this whole room wearing earbuds. This is a biggie. So I'm going to cover a lot of ground here. All right, what should you offer? What should the price be? First, and I know many of you may not love to hear this, but this is a question that should have been answered before you even got to this point in writing the offer. You should have worked with your realtor and studied the market, looked at the sales, seen a few homes, asked some questions, and looked how long to see this home was listed, just to name a few of the things that you should have done before you got where you're putting pen to paper or clicking the electronic signature, as it were. So here's a big tip for you as you're thinking about what price. As you're looking at other homes, remember the asking price, the list price on other homes, totally irrelevant totally irrelevant to the actual value of the home, okay? You want to be looking at the sold prices of homes. Now, if you're doing it right, you're going to be able to listen to the podcast and find yourself a unicorn and you'll learn the speed of the market and be able to tell if a home is sitting because it's overpriced or because perhaps it has some red flags. So that'll help you get a good sense for the market. And as you're looking around and you're getting a broader scope of the way things are moving and how they're selling, then it's time for you to really zoom in and get tight on the prices of the properties that are comparable to the houses or house that you're looking at. In real estate jargon, you might hear your realtor talk about looking at the comps. Love when they say that. Show me the comps. So if and when you can, the more precise that your realtor and yourself can be in finding truly comparable properties, the better. Apples to apples rules, all right? That's the deal. It's also a really cool party game. I don't know if it's a little, you know, game of cards. It's fun. Apples to apples, 
that means going beyond simply considering the square footage of the house. All right. Oh, and another tip. Do not get hung up on price per square foot. This can also often be totally irrelevant. You know, if you're looking at apartment or condos and you see the exact same model, the exact same floor plan, well, one could be a penthouse and the other one could be on the first floor with a master bedroom that looks out to a dumpster in an alley. True story happened to some of my buyers. So how the heck does price per square foot come into play there when they're exactly the same square footage and same square plan or same floor plan? There are several factors that end up just becoming subjective. So yes, it's good to try to narrow it down and get apples to apples so you can get a real comp. But, you know, even apples to apples are not always the same. And if you don't believe me, just cruise over to your fancy local supermarket and see how many freaking types of apples there are these days. I mean, why do I pay completely different prices for apples? There's Fuji, Golden Delicious, Granny Smith, Lady Alice. What the hell's a Lady Alice? Yeah, it's a thing. It's an apple because even apples to apples can be different. So don't put all your eggs into the price per square foot basket there. That's the end of my grocery talk analogies. You should study properties in the same neighborhood or similar neighborhoods nearby and realize that there could be other factors for homes that are very similar that could completely change the value. You know, you could have homes on the same street, but a school border goes right through the middle of it. And one school's great and one school's happens. You know, you've got a ton of things to think about. You got to think about lot size, pools, views, historical properties and historical values. Some of those actually have large tax incentives, proximity to power lines, HOA amenities, parking facilities. If you're in a condo or a townhome, you got to think about what's going on in the neighborhood. You got to think about, are you, you know, in an airspace of an airport? And of course, my favorite thing to make sure of, what do you do? How much value do you put on the fact that what if they got really hot neighbors? All right. Well, everything but the last one, but you get my point. It's not as simple to do a like for like comparison. So fun. It's all subjective and the seller probably thinks their home is fantastic. Yeah, I wish it didn't work out that way, but sometimes it does. You know, they think that their home is way better than Agnes's home down the street. And I know my home's better than hers and it sold for $500,000 three months ago. Well, no, actually Agnes's place was listed at 500,000, but it actually sold for 460,000 and that was 6 months ago and the market's gone down 3% in that time. See? You got to study. So again, you should be gathering all this intel while you've been out there shopping for your homes and you should be studying that online. When you get this is a big one that my first time buyers do all the time. When I send or your realtor sends you homes, do not just look at the pictures to see if you like to see if the home is pretty. Look at all the data. Get nerdy with it. How many days is it on the market? What year was the home built? Is the lot size the same as every other lot size in the neighborhood? You need to look at all those those pieces of information. You need to see That way you can start to evaluate and you can be a price pro, all right? You can't become a price pro overnight when suddenly you find a house and you decide you want to write an offer. You can't just cram like it's a midterm. Remember, knowledge is power. And in any negotiation, the person who knows the most about the actual situation, they usually win. How do you decide if a home is a good value? You're getting ready to figure out your price. How do you feel comfortable with it? Well, you feel comfortable because... 
you've been educated with your realtor, your lender, your entire team supporting you before you even got in the car to look at homes. And then you got more education and more with every home that you looked at, every picture you looked at online, every piece of data that you took in and every home that closed in the market and you watched to see what other homes were selling for and you checked to see how quickly or how, how slowly they sold. Days on market will become a, a term that you're just spinning in your head all the time. These decisions have been made before you ever sign any contract. You know, for example, my peeps Tong of Vanessa, we were looking at houses here in Southern California, and this is a long time ago. We were buying in a, in a down market. It was a really sketchy time to buy, but you know, they weren't super picky. They were just trying to figure out a place to go, and, and they had a couple neighborhoods, and, and they had time to wait it out as the market you know, kept dropping. We saw a few homes over a few weekends, over a few months, and we kept seeing the prices continue to drop. So by the end, because they weren't very picky, remember, they would, you know, kind of pick a few homes they liked and then they'd say, and then pick some more for us, David. So I would. And then when we got to those places, they didn't have any information on the home. We'd walk in the front door and they would play prices right. And seriously, by the time they got to the end of the threshold, not even all the way in the house, They'd each start guessing and they nailed it almost every single time because they'd done all their research. And if they were too far off from the list price, well, then we knew that the home was overpriced because they were confident. So don't just look at homes, learn online first, then in person, then with your realtor and then from your own eyeballs. If you do that, you'll know what to offer. So wrapping things up, what should I offer? Well, the main answer to this question is, it depends. What's the timing and where are you in the market cycle? Okay, next question. Can I lowball? Hear this all the time. All right, if you're listening to this, I hope you guys know where I stand on truly wanting to help first time buyers. I want to lift you guys up, get you confident, make you feel comfortable in what you're doing. I never want you to overspend, I never want you to leave money on the table. I'm on your side. I always want my clients and I always want all my listeners to get the best deal you can. I don't want you listeners out there feeling like, wow, you know, is, is this an opportunity where I'm going to overpay for a house? Sometimes I've had a lot of people who end up doing that because they just want to get in. But rather than me tell you how to lowball, I'm going to tell you how your lowball offer would be perceived by the sellers how they will see you and accept you and how that affects your chances of actually getting the home. I might hurt a few feelings here if you're a bargain shopper, so just stay with me. Regular listeners, you know me, you know I'm living on the real. i always transparent. Not sure that I, I love that buzzword, by the way. I mean, what the hell's transparent? You mean I'm not a jerk hiding stuff from everyone so I can personally gain from every situation that I'm in? Yeah, then I'm transparent. You know, I would just call that being honest, but you know, hello, ever heard of the golden rule? Anyway, call it what you want, being real, being straight, or I don't know, caring for your fellow man. Classic concept. Maybe we should all try that in 2021. Let's see what happens. So here comes the real. Should you lowball and try to take massive advantage of someone else? Should you try and screw the other guy and get a dope deal? Do I even have to tell you? Okay, but if you still want to give it a shot, surprise. The main answer to the question is, should I lowball? Depends. What's the market timing and where are you in the market cycle? 
Okay, here's some facts on home prices and where and how they sell. We have something called sales price to list price ratio. In other words, the amount that the home sold for compared to the amount it was listed on the day that someone wrote an offer. Usually the average sits around 97%. So I know that you've all heard stories about way over or way under, and, and yeah, that definitely happens, but usually the peaks and valleys of the market, depending on the timing, but most of the time, if a home is overpriced, the seller usually ends up reducing the price to get to the actual value. And that's when the offers start to come in. And that's why the average is around 97%. If we're at a 93 or 94% sales price to list price ratio, then we know we're in a deep, deep, weird changing market. And if we're at 105 or 106, like we kind of are right now in 2021, where people are overpaying on the uh, list price, then we know in a, we're in a, a really hot seller's market and demand is really high from the buyers. So once they get into reality, most homes sell at that, you know, 96, 97%. Now you might be thinking, David, you told me to do all this research. So I did. And now I know this home is worth 400,000, but they've got to list at 450 for two months. And the average home in this area is selling in less than a month. So I'm just going to offer 380 because I've done all the research like you told me to. And, and, you know, if they're not willing to sell, you know, I just need them to understand at least I can throw it in there and, you know, give them a realistic offer since the home's just sitting there. Well, you want to know what the agent that's working with that seller, what they're going to say to them, they're going to say, hey, seller, you know, where do you think that all buyers start their home search? They start online, right? And you know how those sites work? You go in, they look at the house, they pick a neighborhood they like, and then they pick a maximum price. And sometimes when you're picking the price, it comes in a little drop-down arrow and, and the chunks are at like 25000 and 50000 in the drop down arrow, you know, up to 350, up to 375, up to 400. So, why would you look at an offer at 380 when we're listed at 450 and I haven't even had a chance to market the home for you at 425? All those people who put 425 in the online searches, they're not even seeing your home. Or even the people who put it up at 400, they're not even seeing your home because we're listed at 450. So, before you take 380, you know, at worst, let me list the house for $399 and let's see if we get all those buyers out there who have never even seen your house yet. So then there's this next thing about real estate. And once again, kind of sucks for you if you're a first time buyer and you're thinking about lowballing. The truth is that with rents going up and continuing to go up, you know, faster than views on a viral video of some grandma doing a shuffle dance on TikTok, real estate is a, I mean, face it, real estate's just a banger investment. And for people with a whole bunch of money, it's stable. So any true deals get snatched, get snatched up by all the cash buyers. And lots of the time it's realtors or developers or people that are involved in real estate who've got a whole bunch of cash. And sorry, gang, you ain't beating somebody with cash. And, and now that we have, you know, this, this intricate series of tubes called the internet, there are no hidden gems. No, no one's hiding anything. I mean, heck, any fool can take their camera phone and go take some pictures and put their home on the internet and tens of thousands of people are seeing it. There's nothing hiding under a bush. No under the radar super steals left in the world right now. Got the super, what do they call that? The information super highway. So forget it. The internet is selling homes. 
And then here's one that a lot of first-time buyers don't ever think about. And, you know, I'm not saying trying to put in an offer and save some money is a bad thing. I'm not saying that you're greedy or sneaky or that you have bad intentions. I just, I hate that a lot of realtors let you focus so hard on price without explaining this huge aspect of putting in that first price. That first price sets the tone for the rest of the transaction. Don't blow all your negotiating power right up top. You've got at least two more negotiations to go before you get the keys. Yeah, you're not done. The purchase price is just the beginning. You don't want to have a winner and a loser with the purchase price. You still have to do physical inspections on the property. And depending on where you are in the country, lots of physical inspections. And that could change the price by you either asking for repairs or asking for credits to do the repairs on your own. And and then who's going to pay for that? All right. That's a whole nother negotiation. And what if you do decide at the inspection, you figure out there's a hole in the roof or a leak or something like that. And if you're going to be asking for a negotiation for that, if you've already done something to put them to put you guys in a place of animosity. If you were a hardcore jerk at the beginning and you grinded them to the bone on the original price, how likely do you think they're going to be to, you know, shave off some dollars here or there? Or how likely do you think you guys are going to agree on how much it actually costs to fix that hole in the roof or do something with the sewage or the well? So remember, that first price negotiation is the beginning And you want to put everyone, I mean, whatever your negotiation technique is, realize you're going to have to do it again after that first initial negotiation. And then, you know, the one that comes after that is if you, the buyer, are using a loan to purchase the house, which I'm assuming most of you out there are, then you're still going to have an appraisal. And there couldn't be negotiations with an appraisal. If your appraisal comes in under value, you're going to have to renegotiate. But I'll explain all that because that is the next question. What the hell is an appraisal? Okay, so wrapping up the can I lowball? The answer is it depends. What's the market timing and where are you in the market cycle? Okay, damn, that's a lot. And we're not even halfway through all the fictional questions I created that you fictionally asked me. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to tease you. We're going to turn this into a two-parter. This will be part one and... uh In just a minute here, I'm going to tell you all about part two and what's coming up next. All right. So if you're out there and you got all these tips, but you're also realizing that you need to have a Marvel comic level superhero representing you, reach out to me and we'll see if we can find you one in our unicorn nation. They're out there. They're those experienced agents who are unicorn-like because they love first-time buyers, but they're also experienced and they won't blow you off. You need a guide? Just send me a DM on Instagram at David Sedoni. Or you can join the Facebook page, How to Buy a Home on Facebook. Check me out on YouTube or Twitter. Or, you know, the big one, go to the website, davidsedoni.com and fill out the contact form. And I've had people do that and they just say, hey, I listen to you in my ear holes. I need a unicorn in this town. Matter of fact, today I hooked up, uh, what's the whiteboard say? White, seven, seven new listeners today. And they were in all stages from a year and a half out to someone's ready to go look at a home next week. So please, please, if you have some specific questions, reach out and let's keep helping other people. Subscribe, review, 
Love, love, love those reviews. They help push us up on the charts and gets other people to find us. Okay, so here's the teaser, part two. These are the questions we're going to answer. It's going to be coming up next week or more than likely everyone else who's binging this in the future, you can just press play on the next episode, uh, number 40. So part two, we're going to cover what the hell's an appraisal? How long can I wait to write an offer after I actually see the home? Should I sleep on it? Can I negotiate on a new construction home being built right now? How much should I put down? Is a first-time buyer looked at as lesser than some old dude buying a house? Should I play hardball? Should I ask about why the seller is moving? Should I write a letter? What kind of loan is best? How do I make my offer stand out? How do I get them to say yes? And how old is Baby Yoda? Well, that's a good place to finish. There is no try. You can do this. This.